Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast. This segment has been taken from Thrive Thursdays with Dr. Patricia Mills. I hope you enjoy this episode. And here is Dr. Patricia Mills. Hello. Today we're talking about protein powder. If you are on protein powder or you're thinking about adding protein powder to your daily regime, wouldn't it be so incredibly frustrating if your health choice actually was harming you rather than helping your health? Yeah. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a holistic medical doctor, functional medicine practitioner, women's health expert, and passionate advocate for your health. And today I'm going to be talking about health versus harm. Are protein powders actually good for you? Now, this is for you if you're someone who's interested in uh, maximizing your lifespan and your health span. Okay. So health span, if you're not familiar with the term, is that for as long as you live, you want to be healthy. Okay. You don't want to increase your lifespan and be really sick for a period of time towards the end of your years, right? And the end of your life. Um, so really, this is for you if you want to increase your health span. This is not for you if you are interested in taking protein powder to build massive muscle, okay? So people who are looking out to build massive muscle and you're using protein powder for that, um, you might not like what I have to say. So maybe this is for you, actually. This might change your mind about a few things about which kind of protein powder you choose and how you incorporate it into your life. Um, and if you are joining me live, please put in your name and where you're joining in from. And if you allow uh, StreamYard um, access to your name, I can see it when you put it in the comments. And please feel free to ask your questions. That's the benefit of joining me live for today's Thrive Thursday episode with Dr. Patricia Mills. So let's get started. Let's dive right in. Okay, why, why did I decide to do this? Well, a lot of women come to me asking me, should they try protein powder? And a lot of men ask this question too. This conversation is relevant for men as well. And hi, Melanie from uh, So St. Marie, Ontario. So wonderful to see you. Thanks for joining today. Awesome. Um, what we're going to be talking about is um, research that I came across on protein powder that really got me super concerned. And I'm going to try to explain it to you because it can be very confusing in the, even in the research and in the health world, you know, you get different opinions. So I'm going to try to make it really easy to understand. And if it's not, please put in your questions. And even if you're catching this on a replay, you put your questions in the comments. It allows me to, um, you know, go in and, and um, answer your questions that I'm going to be doing a live next week on which protein powder um, do I recommend? Okay. So uh, why, what are the effects of protein powder on the human frame in the human body that I found that gave me some pause for concern? Okay. The biggest one was the effect of protein powder on our hormones, okay? 
Now, our hormones, um, they are intricately connected. They're the messengers in our body. And, and when they get like triggered by, for example, a food that you eat or something that you drink, it sends a message for the rest of the body to do certain activities. Okay. And when one hormone becomes imbalanced, it affects the other hormones. So, for example, there's the um, hormone called insulin. Okay. Insulin is classically known as the sugar hormone because when you eat a carbohydrate and it gets turned into sugar in the blood, it causes insulin to spike, right? Lorraine from Winnipeg, thank you for joining Lorraine. It's wonderful to see you here in this space. So insulin, when you eat a carbohydrate like a bread or a toast or a pastry or a pasta all the way through to a vegetable, you have what's called, I call fast carbohydrates and slow carbohydrates. So when you take a whole grain like flour, wheat and you turn it into a fine powdery flour or you have sugar or you have fruit juice or you have fruit smoothies or you have gluten-free flours um, they're very fine very refined or very liquidy and when you take it into your body it causes a blood sugar to go up very high and it causes insulin to go up very high and we know we know that insulin is a hormone that you don't want to go too high or too low too high, when insulin goes too high, you immediately you run into problems with other hormones becoming imbalanced. It imbalances your stress hormone cortisol, so your body goes into a stress response. It imbalances your hormones estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone, okay? It's like measurable differences in these hormones if your insulin goes too high, okay? And if you don't have enough insulin, like for example, you're in a a concentration camp and you're not eating enough food and you're not stimulating enough insulin, having enough insulin around is important for things like building muscle. If you don't have enough insulin, um, that means you're not getting enough um, you know, calories from things like carbohydrates and protein, which is why it ties into protein powder. And then you're not able to build muscle. So you have these extremes of insulin being too low, like not enough food, so starvation, um, eating disorders, that kind of thing. And then you have too high, which is the most common problem in the modern diet because there's a lot of hidden sugars in a lot of the food processed foods and then the way that we're preparing foods like smoothies, gluten-free products and that kind of stuff, okay? So what about protein powder? Well, the interesting thing is that insulin is also stimulated by protein. And the interesting thing is that insulin is highly stimulated by the breakdown products of protein, which are the amino acids. So if insulin is like a bracelet, a protein is like a bracelet, and what it's made up of, all of those little um, beads are um, called amino acids. And every protein has its unique um, profile of amino acids. So it's, it's like each protein is its own unique bracelet. And what happens is when you take in a protein, like let's say you eat a protein from an animal or you eat a protein from a plant, your body will take that protein and do its best to break it down into the amino acids. And it's the little amino acids, the little beads on that bracelet that are supposed to get into your body. And when they get into your body, they um, are used as building blocks for the body. And they also... Um, trigger um the hormones like it's like a it's like a chemical um trigger for hormones to be produced right so um for example when you have the and you have different kinds of amino acids there's 20 amino acids 
11 of them are non-essential or but we, we can make it and nine of them are essential. We need them from foods, right? We need to eat foods to get our essential amino acids. And interestingly, um, the hormone insulin is triggered by these amino acids. So the your insulin, um, you know, you can get more insulin made in the body by protein. Now, that is not a problem if you are having what I will now call slow protein. So if you have your protein packaged by Mother Nature, for example, in animals, protein is packaged in fiber, in like collagen, okay, in like fascia, you know, the body has to work hard to break that down. So you get a slow release of protein into the body. And in plants, the protein is packaged in fiber. And not only that, in plants, the form of protein is not as available, um, you know, and is not as digestible as the protein in animals. Okay. And the protein in plants, plants don't have um, all of the essential amino acids like the animal meat does. So plants have kind of a few issues with protein, like getting protein from your diet uh, from plants requires a lot more attention than getting it from animal meat because you have to think about the, are you getting all of your essential amino acids? Are you making the protein in the plant available and digestible? Okay. Let's say, however, that you've taken your animal and you've taken your, your plant and you've broken it down into those amino acids, particularly the essential amino acids, they get into your blood. What happens is that um, when those amino acids get into your blood, your body has like sensors in the blood and it senses the amino acids and it causes your body to make insulin. Okay. What's interesting is that when you eat, like, um, let's say you're like, okay, I'm, I want to get protein. So I'm going to eat my protein from like a, a steak or an egg or a fish, right. Or, um, like dairy butter, or I'm going to eat my protein from plants. Okay. Versus I'm going to get my protein from powder, either from the animal or the plant. The, um, the, the, the protein that is packaged by Mother Nature in the animal meat and the plant is like uh, it's slow release into the body. So the insulin release is like nice and steady in that Goldilocks zone, not too little, not too much. When you eat, when you take in a protein powder, that protein has been really finely, like very, very refined very, very broken down. So now it's like a fast protein. It gets like quickly into your blood, like huge amount of amino acids into your blood and you get a big insulin spike. Okay. I told you already that that's not good for your hormones in the short term. In the long term, we also know from research and it's very clear, this is not like new news. Any doctor will say, yes, this is correct. Any scientist will agree with this is that when you have repetitive too high spikes of insulin, you set yourself up for your body becoming imbalanced and creating disease in the body. And the typical diseases that come out of this over time are type 2 diabetes, which is insulin resistance in the muscles, too much like the tissues being exposed to too much insulin. It's almost like um, the ears being exposed to too much sound. You get like deaf, can't hear it very well. So the same thing, the body gets resistant to insulin. So it's not as like sensitive to that, to, to that hormone. And when that happens at the level of the muscle, you get diabetes because what insulin does is it helps the sugar go from the blood into the muscles. And so the blood sugar starts to go up and you're diagnosed with prediabetes. And if it keeps getting worse, diabetes, 
If you have insulin resistance in the brain, that's type 3 diabetes, that's Alzheimer's. Okay, and women are much higher risk for Alzheimer's than men. Okay, and we have um, other diseases like if you continue to have problems with insulin resistance, you're going to have issues with um, increased risk of stroke, increased risk of heart attack, increased risk of um, having problems with the health of your blood vessels, erectile dysfunction for men, problems with libido for women, um, changes in the way that your brain functions, so some dementia all the way through the Alzheimer's. So it's very clear that no matter what, we do not want to be doing things that overly spike our insulin. So I have a real, I think, valid concern that for people who are um, kind of jumping on the protein powder bandwagon, okay, that they may be um, inadvertently, like unknowingly harming their health because of these insulin spikes. And the thing is that protein powder is a relatively new development, right? Like, it's not like we had protein powder like 100 years ago, right? This is a relatively new development. And, was, and as with many things that are relatively new, we are still learning and finding out the long-term impact of these things. So a lot of the studies, they're done on short-term. So like, yes, short-term, you look at a protein powder, and you study the effect of the protein powder short-term on the body, and you get this like very clear insulin spike, okay? And in that moment, yes, your body does go into a state of being able to build more muscle. However, it's also in balancing your hormones and potentially creating a situation where in the future you're going to run into health issues, as I've already explained, with insulin resistance, Okay. And then it's like, okay, well, what about that concept of like, as I get, so first of all, it's like, okay, well, I want to build muscle, like I want to be a bodybuilder. And that's my goal. And I would say, okay, well, you may be, um, you may be prioritizing a short term goal in terms of like, you know, building the muscle when sacrificing your long term health span. And that is your decision. Absolutely your choice. Um, you know, no judgment. Everybody has the, like the things that they like to prioritize in their lives. However, what I would want you to do is to prioritize with full awareness. You know, when you make a choice, you want it to be made with full awareness. So at least now you know that there's a potential for real harm. I do believe from the research that I've seen that these repetitive high spikes of insulin with protein powder that you do not get, you don't get as high a spike of insulin with real pro with real food right? Like real animal meat, um, real properly prepared plants. My last episode, I did talk about how to properly unleash the protein in plants and that there are um, traditional ancient food preparation methods that were used and we've kind of lost the science on and the art. The science proves the necessity for that lost art, that, you know, ancient wisdom. So if you need to go back, go to my YouTube channel, check out um, Plant Power Unleashed, uh, Plant Protein Unleashed, and you will see I have a talk just on that, okay? Um, and then it's like, well, what about the, as I'm aging and I'm, I'm becoming older and I'm being told that I need to have more protein? Well, um, here's the thing, like what I'm coming across more and more as I dive into the research, and just so you know, if you're new to my world, I am a published researcher. Um, I published multiple researches in my research studies over 25 now in my in my previous field I've I've switched gears now into women's health and before I was 
um, working in the field of um, central nervous system disorders with spasticity and that kind of thing. And I had to read a lot of research. So I'm very familiar with reading research and really making sense of like all of the very confusing information that can pop up. And what I see is that as we age, our ability to break down, to make the protein in our foods available and to digest that food, that protein goes down. Okay. And when that goes down, that means that we are not breaking down the protein down to those amino acids, non-essential and essential, and particularly the essential. So then we are not absorbing those amino acids into our body and our body isn't getting the signal that it's time to do things like build muscle. Okay. Plus the other signal for building muscle, one signal is chemical, which is eating food and causing hormonal changes like insulin going up, not too high though, right? Just enough. The other signal is exercise, right? If you, even if you have insulin spikes, like let's say you're taking protein powder and you're spiking your insulin. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm building muscle. No, you have to use the muscle so that the, that the, um, the use of the um, hormonal messaging to make muscle goes to the muscle, okay? You need that, you need the chemical with the physical signaling. So as people age, they tend to become less physically active and they tend to have less digestive power. And even if, you're even if you are physically active, you can still lose your digestive power. So then the question is, do you just allow that digestive power to continue to decline and you keep increasing the amount of protein that you eat? right? Is that the answer? Or do you increase your digestive power and keep your protein um, amounts around the same or a little bit more so that you're not overly spiking insulin and doing that? Or, you know, and the thing is, if you don't properly digest protein, it does tend to sit in the gut and be and, and it's like undigested, right? You didn't properly digest it and break it down. That can cause issues like there is a functional medicine test where you test the stool and you test it for undigested protein. And that's a sign of, um, you know, that you're having dysfunction in your digestive power. So personally, as I age, my focus will be on things like supporting that my digestive power, like making sure I have sufficient good quality stomach acid because it's the stomach acid that breaks down your protein, right? If you develop something like a reflux, you know, like a heartburn or gastroesophageal uh, reflux, and your doctor puts you on um, uh, anti-reflux medication, that decreases your, your um, stomach acid, that decreases your ability to break down protein and to have that available to your body. You're, if you stay on that drug for longer than that recommended period of time by the drug company, which is eight weeks, you're going to run into health issues. And that has also been proven to occur. So you have to actually figure out why did I get the reflux, right? Not just take the medication for it. And then you can work to like to basically make the reflux go away, which I know is possible because I have helped people do that. Okay. So now it's like, okay, now I know that the, there's some bad effects of protein on my hormones. And then what are the effects of protein on my gut that could be harmful? Well, animal protein is pretty easy on the gut because the animal has taken the protein from the plant and transformed it into the kind of protein that we can easily absorb and digest. Okay. But the plant protein, we need to do that work, okay? And it, the thing is, like, it's a lot of work. And when we started, like, cooking and properly preparing our foods, when we started being able to cook, which was around 800,000 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, there's really interesting um, 
skeletal studies, like studies of skeletons showing that we went from having like large rib cages that supported a very long, complex gut to narrow rib cages and our gut got shorter. Like, you know, we didn't need these wide rib cages because our gut got shorter because we were using processes like cooking, sprouting, fermenting to properly prepare our plants so that they would, um, the protein in the plant would be properly available and digestible by our body. If you don't break down the protein and if you don't break down what I call the anti-nutrients in plants like lectins, oxalates, saponins, phytates, those can actually damage your gut. So if you're, if you're, if you're using a plant protein powder that hasn't been f- fermented or sprouted, chances are you are, it is uh, injuring the lining of your gut to some degree, okay? Because it still has those anti-nutrients that haven't been properly dealt with, with the traditional methods of plant preparation, okay? Depends on the plant powder, of course, but um, I always, if, if, if I were to have protein powder, and I'll cover this more in the next uh, week on which protein powder would I recommend, I would be looking, if I chose plant, I would be looking at the sprouted or fermented. And then the question is, um, would I choose animals versus plant powder? Well, if I, if I so it's, here's the thing. I think it's, I've already made it pretty clear that I am not a fan of protein powder. I, I will never use protein powder unless I develop a medical condition that makes it really hard for my body to break down foods. And there's like, and for a period of time, my digestive power is shot and like, I can't fix it in time. So, you know, people sometimes who are in hospital need to have powder nutrition. Um, or you have like a really bad case of leaky gut, you know, or something like that. You may, for a period of time, need to use something like a protein powder, understanding that it's a short period of time. So those constant insulin spikes are not going to be like a cumulative bad effect on the body. It's just a short period of time. You're kind of like, you know, trying to balance out the, the you know, I don't want to say the evils, but like the pros and the cons, right? So let's say I ran into that situation where I just, my, my digestive power is down. I'm quite sick. I really can't break down my food very well or digest my food very well. I need to temporarily, hopefully only temporarily go on some kind of like assisted diet. I would choose because, it, you know, I, because I'm not vegan or vegetarian, I would choose the animal powder. Okay. Because animal protein has all of the essential proteins there for you. And they don't have any of the anti-nutrients, um, the anti-nutrients being the things that can damage the lining of the gut, right? And if I were to choose a protein powder, let's say I was vegan or vegetarian at some point in time in the future, um, I would choose a sprouted or fermented um, protein powder, uh, a plant protein powder, okay? And I would just be like a non-negotiable for me. That's what I would look for. And um, and so in terms of... Um, uh, what is the best kind of protein powder for maintaining and building muscle? I'm going to get into that next week because I feel like that takes up uh, like a whole, that would take up a whole other half an hour because I have to teach you how to read ingredient lists. Okay. Cause that's very important because sometimes we get focused on the protein and we forget that when the person is, when the scientist or the chemist or the food chemist is making the protein, there's a lot of other things going in there. It's not like they're like, here's a pure protein powder, right? It has a lot of other stuff in there. And knowing the difference between what works and what doesn't work for your body can mean the difference between you um, benefiting from your protein powder or getting sicker than if you didn't take it ever. So that's what I find very frustrating is I see some women who are having a hard time 
with their gut health. They're having a hard time maintaining their weight. They're having a hard time balancing their hormones, right? They might be having a hard time with their skin or with their mood. And they're taking this protein powder and they don't even think this, this could be, the problem could be the protein powder. And then you're like, well, how do I know? And I'd say, well, the only way to know is you stop it for a period of time, right? Um, and some things you might notice right away, like your gut health might start to improve. You might get less bloating, less constipation or diarrhea. Some things might take about six months to show up, right? And then you'd be like, well, Dr. Patricia, well, then how do you get enough protein? And I, I would say, well, I, I don't take up any meal real estate with processed foods. On my plate, I have only healthy sources of protein. I have my animal meat, right? Small amount, like a condiment, not a massive amount, the size of the palm of my hand at most. And then on the other is, is my properly prepared vegetables, right? My, my properly prepared beans and nuts and seeds that I know have the, the least amount of anti-nutrients so it doesn't harm my gut and the most uh, amount of available undigestible protein as a result of that proper food preparation. And I get all my protein from there and I exercise, you know, I, I do weightlifting and I do um, not heavy though, like I'm health span. For health span, you need functional muscle strength. So for example, I know that when I'm 130 years old and I'm going on a trip around the world, I want to take my suitcase and lift it from the ground up into the overhead cabinet of the air of the airplane, right? That's the kind of muscle strength I'm going for, right? It's not just strength, it's balance. It's no it's like being able to like be flexible enough to do those movements, it's cross body movements and nothing too heavy because you know, you can hurt yourself by overtraining. Again, this is for people who are interested in health span, right? Not in, in bodybuilding and that kind of thing. That's like a different world. I would have a different set of advice for those people. Okay. Um, and so I hope that you found this helpful. Um, let me know if you have any questions that pop up. I really look forward to seeing you again next week where I can go deeper into if I were to choose a protein powder, this is what I would choose. This is exactly what I would look for because I recognize that some of you will have tuned in because you're hoping that I'm going to give you recommendations for which protein powder to have. And you might be ignoring everything I have to say about how protein powder could potentially be harmful for you because you're just really loving your protein powder. And that's great. You do you. And, and the thing is, the reality is that you have to pay attention to your own body, right? You have to be aware, self-aware. And if it's feeling amazing and it's working for you, awesome. Then the next show will be very important for you because I'm going to teach you very carefully exactly what you need to look for when you're buying a protein powder because if you buy the wrong one you're gonna you're gonna run into health issues like for sure especially if you're having it every day right whatever you're taking every day or on a regular basis you need to make absolute sure it's like the best best quality that that you can afford um, and that's available for you and and that works it doesn't have to be the most expensive actually sometimes the most expensive is the worst so I'm not going to be telling you to buy the most expensive protein powder. I'm going to teach you exactly what to look for so that every time you go to check out a protein powder, you're just like, yep, yep, no, 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 definitely not. Bye. Or yep, yep, yep. Okay, great. Boom. I'm going to take that one. Okay. So I hope you found this useful. Please let me know if you have any questions, if you're catching them on replay. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening or night, depending on when you catch this. Bye.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. <laughs>